And now, broadcasting from a two-person hot tub, high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK and Rick. Welcome to another special edition of the E-Town Lowdown COVID-19 pandemic. Today is Wednesday, May 6, 2020, and I have my good buddy Scotty Malort with me. How are you, Scott? I'm good, Rich. How are you? I'm doing well. So uh, you have a special guest uh, that you've invited to join us today. Why don't you uh, introduce her? I do. I'm very pleased to have someone that I know pretty well, and she works with an organization that has a soft spot in my heart as I am a member of the Board of Directors. We are fortunate enough to have Jackie Krinkovich of the Elmhurst Walk-In Assistance Network with us today. Jackie, thank you for coming on to the Lowdown. Well, thanks so much for having me. Great opportunity to talk about what we're doing here. Okay, so first off, did I say your name correctly? You did. I was very (laughs) impressed. There we go. We got to start somewhere. That's about the norm. Right. (laughs) So Jackie, tell us a little bit about what E1 is and how it operates. And for those who are sitting here going, that sounds familiar to me, I want to point out the Elmhurst Walk-In Assistance Network used to be known as the Elmhurst Walk-In Ministry. So you may know it under that name. So Jackie, with that, tell us a little bit about the present day Walk-In Assistance Network. Okay. Well, um, we have been around for quite some time. We're not a new COVID thing. We um, started in 1997. Uh, started largely uh, with an effort for the churches to find a way to kind of more effectively uh, deal with people who were coming in looking for some kind of assistance and without any real way to kind of check out stories or vet people. um, It always caused a little um, uneasiness or you know, just uh, the churches didn't always know how to deal with these kind of requests. So um, three staff members at a variety of churches uh, came up with this notion of creating kind of a central clearinghouse for such requests. Um, and then, then Ewan was born. And with the thought was that people, um, could, if they arrived at a church door, could then be sent over to this central sp- space. Um, people could be uh, vetted, you know, files kept, uh, a record of the request kept, um, and then assistance could be given. Uh, our primary Forms of assistance have been um, in rent and mortgage. We can help with mortgage. Sometimes it doesn't create quite such a dent. Um, uh, car repair, utilities, so gas, electric, and water. Uh, we will do gasoline vouchers. And then we have a number of other little programs uh, through the schools. There's a school snack program, a student um, activity needs program. Uh, we have a dental assistance program. So we have put in a, a number of different programs in place through the years. Um, but our primary focus has always been in kind of meeting those essential needs, uh, rent and utilities. Um, we also partner closely with the uh, Immaculate Conception Food Pantry, and we serve as the gatekeepers for that particular food pantry. So people um, come to us and then we give them a voucher and send them over there. Jackie, do you work with any uh, other food pantries like Yorkfield? Uh, we, of course. I mean, one of the things we do is uh, really work as a as a as a resource. You know, providing people all the resources in the area. So while with the IC food pantry, they have to actually get a voucher from us. With the Yorkfield food pantry, 
It's just a matter of always referring people, making sure they know about it, know the hours. We work, so we work very closely with a lot of agencies throughout the county. Um, so we'll work with the People's Resource Center, Love Christian Clearinghouse, Catholic Charities, St. Vincent de Paul. We kind of all pull together uh, to work with, with clients to help them get where they need to go when they're in a tough spot. Jackie, tell us a little bit about what do your clients look like? Where do they come from? Why are they finding you? How are they getting to you? Things uh, like that. Yeah. Um, there is no one profile, I would say, uh, of clients. We can't say, oh, you know, 90% of them are single mothers. We certainly have that demographic. Um, but uh, they... They come from all over the community. To, to be served here, you have to be a 90-day resident of Elmhurst. So that's our primary focus, is Elmhurst residents. Um, we also will serve families with children in Elmhurst schools. So there is a little southern portion of Bensonville whose, schools, whose children go to District 205. And so those families qualify for our services as well. And because our, uh, we are, Founding was um, brought on by churches. We also, and they are big supporters. We also um, will help any member of a covenant church, of, of any member in good standing of a church that um, partners with us. So those nice. are the primary populations we help. So have things changed quite a bit now with the COVID pandemic? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, in short, yes. I was just uh, looking at numbers today. Uh, we had like a 61% increase in clients we saw in April over April last year. Uh, we have blown through our entire budget for rent for the entire year um, by quite some bit by the end of April. We um, are over 70% of our budget for the year. Um, last year and most typical months we'll see five to six new clients, you know, people who are seeing coming to us for the first time. In April this year, it was 28. Um, so obviously we are seeing a whole heck of a lot of new need. Jackie, um, I'm scared to ask, but if that was April, what does May look like already? Um, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> May actually seems to have calmed down a little bit, which has me a little, I, I don't know why. <laughs> um, it, I think maybe a lot of the people who came in April are kind of going, okay, well, we can't go back in May. Um, kind of the interesting thing is most, the large percentage of help we've given in April was in rent. And we haven't even seen um, a particular increase in utilities. Uh, maybe like two more than we saw last year. And my theory on this is, you know, there's a moratorium on rent right now. There's a moratorium, I mean, moratorium on evictions. No one can be evicted. And there's a moratorium on shutoffs. Um, the difference being, so landlords will still come to your door and say, I want my April rent. Uh, Elmhurst Water Department is not knocking at anyone's door and saying, pay up. Um, so I think people are really focusing on their rent right now my concern or i feel like the next wave that's going to hit is when those shut off uh shut off moratoriums are lifted i think we're going to see a lot of requests for utility help at that time so you said the need is obviously greater right now than it's uh, been in a long time and um, i'm sure you get your funding from a number of sources 
what uh, what can you do and to increase your current funding, if anything, and is your funding continuing as it has in the past? Um, the fundraising has kept up very nicely, mostly because uh, Elmhurst is a very generous town, and we've had a lot of people reach out to us. We got a wonderful grant from the District 205 Foundation, and they themselves got that money by reaching out to uh, members of the school community and saying, we have a lot of families in need, um, what can you give? And so people have been very generous with them and they in turn have been very generous with us. Uh, we got another great grant from the DuPage Foundation, um, which is the, a, a county resource, uh, and we were able to get a, a, a great grant from them. We've got money from Rotary, from Dan Gibbons. We're expecting a gift later this week from 100 plus women. Um, businesses that have stepped in and done matching, um, matching things on Facebook. And um, so people have really stepped in. Um, we sent out an appeal, a special appeal to our donor list and have gotten a beautiful response to that. So, so far the fundraising has kept up. So that's the really good news. Um, the bad news is, is the needs not going away anytime soon. So we kind of have to maintain that level of fundraising. Um, Another thing we're looking at is our big fundraiser every year is the Hue for a Cause, which we have over Labor Day weekend in, in September. And right now it's very up in the air whether or not we're going to be able to actually host that this year. Um, so that's another um, big source of funding that we won't have. Um, so right now, with the money coming in, we are being, being able to keep up with demand. And we just have to kind of hope and push that um, that continues to happen as long as this crisis goes on, which if you listen to the news is not going away anytime too soon. So. Jackie, you're, you work a lot with a volunteer workforce of Elmhurst residents. Can you talk a little bit about how the world has changed trying to help folks and be respective to social distancing and all those yeah. things? Yeah. Well, um, our name is the Elmer's Walk-In System <laughs> right. Network, and all of a sudden no one can walk in. Uh, so while our office is open, I've been here every day. Um, in April, we just tried to keep it down to two people, myself and one volunteer. Uh, so I was kind of functioning doing the volunteer work alongside um, one other volunteer. Um, we And we shifted from doing everything in person, which has always been our thing. We do things in person. Uh, no matter if someone couldn't come during our regular hours, they, they met with someone in the evening. Um, so that's all shifted over to phone. We've had to um, have people then have to come up with a way to take a picture of their bills, and then they email them to us, and then we photocopy and we process uh, them over the phone. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, we have to try to limit the number of people in our relatively small space. Um, so we try to keep it to two to three of us. Our treasurer comes in a couple times a week. Um, and then we also, a lot of our volunteers are older and they're over there at that at risk area of 65 or 60 or older. And, uh, they, they can't come in right now, uh, understandably. So we have kind of a skeleton crew. Uh, working with a whole new process, um, but everyone has adjusted admirably, and um, we're getting the job done, um, and so it's working. It <laughs> sounds like that you're not really in need currently of volunteers because of social distancing, but you are in need of funds, and 
how can people go about um, making a donation, your, your website, et cetera? Right. So the, the two easiest ways to make donations is one, just go to our website, elmhurstwalkin.org. And that's just all one word, elmhurstwalkin, W-A-L-K-I-N.org. Um, that's the website and they can donate um, directly from the website. Uh, we can also take checks in the mail um, and you can just simply address it to Ewan, E-W-A-N, at 125 West Church Street in Elmhurst. So those are the ways to get money to us. Great. Jackie, have you ever seen an environment like what you're dealing with now? No, has anyone? No, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, just, no. just wondering if there's any I, precedent. The, the last period that might have rivaled this period here was before I was here, and that was okay. uh, 2008. Like 2008, 2009. Yep. Uh, when I look back at, at numbers, um, you know, there were, there were uh, you know, more comparable to what we're seeing now, though I think this far exceeds that, too. So. I would agree. Anything else you'd like to say about uh, Ewan? Um, no, I'm just really glad we're here. It's kind of what um, no one foresaw this particular situation and the extent of this situation, um, but it certainly um, will, we're well prepared to help people at a time when they really need that help. I think Elmhurst is very fortunate um, that we exist at this time um, because this is what we do and the places that people are hurting, uh, trying to figure out how to pay those bills, how to, how to pay the rent when they don't have a job. Um, the fact that we can be here as a resource for them is, is really great. Not every community has that. And so I'm really happy that we're able to provide that for Elmhurst. And we're only able to provide that to Elmhurst because Elmhurst has come, has, uh, is behind us. So we don't do anything we do without the donations from individuals, from businesses, from the service organizations, uh, from the churches. Everyone pitches in uh, and, and has created the organization that we are. Uh, so it's really a product of efforts by the people of Elmhurst to help neighbors in need. Our guest has been Jackie Krinkovich, Executive Director of the Elmhurst Walk-In Assistance Network, or EWAN. The website is elmhurstwalkin.org. Jackie, thanks for being our guest today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Now more than ever, we're asking the community of Elmhurst to please fill out your U.S. 2020 census. It's quick, safe, and easy, and you can do it online at my2020census.gov. Thank you. This is Mary Beth Harper, Director of the Elmhurst Public Library, and you're listening to the E-Town Lowdown with your hosts, Robbie and Rick, but PK is the one with all the talent. And now, it's time for another installment of One Ponce a Time with Lowdown legend PK and his overly enthused yesteryear expert friend, Elmhurst History Museum Director, Dave Oberg. Hey, boys and girls. Did you know that one ponce a time, Elmhurst was home to a legendary NASCAR driver? In the 1960s, local boy Fred Lorenzen arrived on the scene to become the first Northerner to become a NASCAR champion. With his movie star looks, cool professional demeanor, and skill on the track, Lorenzen blazed like a comet in the racing world. Known to his fans as Fearless Freddy, the Golden Boy, and the Elmhurst Express, Lorenzen collected 26 checkered flags in his storied career. 
All right, so let's take a little deeper. Um, even as a boy, Fred Lorenzen dreamed of auto racing. His go-kart racing was the terror of the neighborhood until local police actually seized it. On warm summer days as a young man, he would listen to NASCAR races on the radio from a tent in the family yard. And by the time he was 18, he had already begun auto racing on dirt tracks and also dabbled a little bit in drag racing as well. In 1958-1959, he posted back-to-back -back wins in the United States Auto Club Stock Car Division Championships. Uh, Lorenzen had tried to break into the NASCAR circuit as an independent driver, but it proved too expensive. But Lorenzen's blazing speed and style had caught the eye of Ralph Moody of the famed Holman Moody Ford Racing Group. Moody called Lorenzen on Christmas Eve of 1960 to offer him the ultimate gift, a chance to drive for Holman Moody Ford in the 1961 NASCAR season. Lorenzen did not disappoint. In the 61 season, his daring high-low maneuver on turn two of the Darlington race rocketed him past Curtis Turner on final lap to victory. The gutsy move earned him the nickname Fearless Freddy. Humble and hardworking, Lorenzen would arrive at 7 a.m. at the race shop and work side-by-side -side with his crew on the engine. Working on the car, he maintained, got him closer to the vehicle and gave him an edge. He was known to write the word think and post it on the dash as a reminder to constantly scan the horizon for opportunity when racing. Now, Lorenzen's good looks, nice manners, and regard for the fans helped his northerner break into a southern sport of NASCAR and earned him another nickname, the Golden Boy. By 1963, the Golden Boy proved he had the Midas touch. With six wins, 21 top five finishes, and 25 top ten finishes, he became the first NASCAR driver to earn $100,000 in a single season, about the equivalent of $850,000 today. He would prove to be the only NASCAR driver to win 20 races in his first 100 starts. In the 65 season, his number 28 Lafayette Ford cruised to victory at the Daytona 500 and the Atlanta 600. He would win the Atlanta 600 three years in a row, a first in NASCAR history. Over time, life on the road wore on Lorenzen, though. He retired from NASCAR in 1967, returning briefly to the sport in 1970. With his good looks and charm, he tried his hand in Hollywood with parts in three racing-themed movies. Eventually, he'd turn that charm into another successful career in real estate. But the passion for racing never left him, and NASCAR never forgot the Elmhurst Express. In 1998, Fred Lorenzen was named one of NASCAR's top 50 drivers. He was inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame in 2015. Racer Darrell Waltrip described him as the Jeff Gordon of his day. Winston Kelly, the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, noted he excelled on big tracks and big races. Now, if you'd like to learn a little more about Fred Lorenzen, you can visit us at the Elmhurst History Museum. Our exhibit, by all accounts, um, has a section on the Elmhurst Express, including photographs, stories, film footage, even one of his trophies. And the museum gift shop has a limited number of autographed posters if you'd like to honor our local racing legend. Wow, Dave. That's really cool. You know, he lived a couple blocks away from me when I was growing up, and I used to walk by his house almost every day on the way to school. And I remember thinking it was really cool. Matter of fact, he inspired me so much, I set up a separate bank account to go to racing school someday. I ended up using that to go to college, but so be it. It's pretty exciting to have him from our town. Thanks a lot, I think Dave. so, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, me racing's in your future. <laughs> <laughs> Better hurry up. The E-Town Lowdown, brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra, featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right, nine feet in diameter. 
This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.